Hello, sisterhood. So great to see all of you again. So glad to be back together and to continue our study of the unseen journey. This lesson is lesson three, and it is entitled, The Journey Begins with Trust. So if you have your pencils and pens ready and your handouts in front of you, we will just dive right in. I've been thinking about this term journey and this journey of life and really considering the fact that our journey of life is ultimately a combination of smaller journeys that the Lord weaves together to bring us to a final destiny or great purpose, if you will. It's sort of like the way that chapters in a book all work together to create a a full story. However, unlike the way we read with one chapter beginning and ending and then another chapter beginning and ending very much in a linear sequence, In real life, we experience lots of journeys all at the same time. What I mean by that is perhaps you are on a journey right now of healing and believing God to heal your body. And at the same time, you could be believing God to bring the prodigal home and to provide for you financially. So all of those things going on at one time. And so they're smaller journeys being woven together by the Lord into a a larger journey, I guess you could say. But no matter how many journeys that we travel on at once, the truth is this. Each journey begins with a promise from God. And as Christians, we're so blessed because we don't have to bounce around the way a pinball bounces in a pinball machine and bonk off of this and bonk off of that and meander aimlessly, but rather we are to live our lives by faith and that is to believe God and all that he says, right? We are guided by his promises. We can think of those as the road signs along the way, if you will. If I think about taking a journey, I don't question when it tells me that Milwaukee is 77 miles away. I trust that Milwaukee is 77 miles away. I trust that God's promises are true and that as I continue on the journey, I will see the fruition of those promises. And if your journeys include those that I just mentioned, then you would be wise and walking by faith to just simply believe that by his stripes you were healed because that's his promise. And that God shall supply your need according to, Christ, according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. And that as you train up your children in the way that he should go when he's old, he will not depart from it, right? God is completely capable of leading us on numerous journeys all at one time. He expects us to simply believe him with every step. You will hear me say this over and over, and I can't overemphasize it actually, that we must know what the Bible promises regarding the journeys that we are embarking upon, because here's the deal. There will be times along the way when you have nothing else to stand upon but his promise. That's the truth. You cannot stand upon circumstances because circumstances change. You cannot stand upon your feelings because your feelings are fickle. And unfortunately, the system and the people in the system are imperfect and they will disappoint you. But God, (laughs) he isn't changing, nor is he fickle, and he will never, never let us down. When we believe God's word, strength and courage come to us. And not only that, the Bible tells us that we actually partake of God's divine nature. Look at 2 Peter 1, verse 4. It says, because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. 
Sharing his divine nature means that you and I are partners with him in the very power that proceeds from him. Listen, the Bible says that you were created in his image. Say, I'm in, I've been made in his image. Think on that for a moment. You have been made in the image of God. And with that, his plan is that you actually share in his power, working as his companion, his plan for your life. If a man owns a business and his son observes his father and studies how the father does his business, becomes an apprentice to the father, accepts his directions, right, his words, his counsel, eventually that son can share in what his father has established. It's similar with you and I, sharing in the nature of God. How? By putting trust in his promises. So this begs the question, what is trust really? It can be a word that we throw around and don't really lay hold of its meaning. Trust is confidence. Trust is a reliance or a resting of the mind on the very character of God. So if I trust God, then I rely on God's integrity. If I trust God, then I rest my mind on his love and his faithfulness. Hmm. I want you to think for just a moment about the people in your life that you would say that you trust. More than likely, the people that come to mind as those that you trust are the people that you know the best. The more that we know people, the more that we trust people. And this is no different with the Lord. The more that I know him, the more apt I am to trust him. So then I must, as a child of God, get to know God's character. And not based upon what someone else said. And not based upon my own human reasoning, but rather based upon what his word says. And here's where I think a lot of people miss it. They, they trip up because they look at the world and they study their, under, or they, they base their understanding of God on other people's experiences or on what they see with their natural sight around them. For example, they might see crime and war and people dying of sickness and then deduct, well, God isn't kind, God isn't good. This is faulty understanding because it's based upon human reasoning. And really, what we need to do is recognize who God is according to what God says. And the word of God says what? That God is love. The word of God said his plans for us are good plans and that he has never nor will he ever lie. The Bible tells us that he is all-powerful and that he is all-knowing and that he is ever-present for us and so on and so forth. Paul made it his aim to want to know Christ. In um, Philippians 3.10, he says, I want to become more deeply and intimately acquainted with Jesus. That, made, that was his highest aim, his very highest aim. Now, this takes time to get to know God, but the time that you spend getting to know God is never wasted because time with him leads to knowing him, and knowing him enables you to trust him. Amen? Think of this. How does time spent fixating on CNN's news program enable you to trust God? 
It really doesn't, does it? Mm -mm. So if we want to be those who trust the Lord, as directed in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, um, then we need to spend more time with him. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. If we can just get really real and just do a hard examination real quickly here, each one of you. Perhaps as I'm talking, you recognize, you know what, I'm, I'm not in a spot really of trusting the Lord on this particular journey or a couple of them that I'm on right now. Perhaps you're feeling like you've been taking matters into your own hands. You've been trying to figure out the future, what lies around the bend, develop your plan, or fixate and um, meditate on the magnitude of the problem that you're facing. You're not trusting the Lord. Just take a minute and whisper to him right now, Lord, forgive me. Hmm? And know that this is an easily remedied thing. You just say, Father, I wanna spend more time with you. I wanna spend more time with you. Be still with him. Read your Bible, set aside something that's preoccupying your time and your energy and give your time and energy to him. He will gladly reveal himself to you. We're to lean on Jesus, the Bible says, and not our own understanding. My husband Keith and I say it this way, you need to just cut your head off. Now I'm not, I'm not talking about being foolish, but you know what I'm talking about. When you have this incessant going and you're thinking and you're strategizing and you're thinking and you're strategizing and you're thinking, and that's when we say, lean not on your own understanding. Cut your head off already. Have you ever faced a really complicated situation? Yes, lots of people involved. Lots of messages getting all tangled up. Lots of pending ugly consequences perhaps. I think about a ball of yarn and I'm trying to find the two end pieces. It's like, um, well, you know, um, I, you might have a little bit of understanding. Yeah, there's the one end, but it's not enough to lean upon and understand that God does not intend for his children to understand everything. There's freedom when we come to realize that we aren't, we aren't intended to figure it all out, ladies. What he wants from his children is for us to lean on him, to simply lean on his character, on his love and his faithfulness. We see his heart all over the word of God. In 1 Peter 5, 7, it says, casting the whole of your care, all your anxieties, all your worries, all your concerns, once and for all on him. You hear him saying, I don't want you to carry those things around. How many of you would like to have perfect peace? Can you raise your hand? Let's have a sign here. I've, I've got perfect peace for sale. You're coming to my line. Hmm? Yeah? But you know what? While you raise your hand, more than likely you think, oh, yeah, that'd be great. And then you think the second thought is, but it's impossible. Are you kidding me, Kristen? No way. Well, I would direct you to the word of God. How about that? Isaiah 26.3, the prophet Isaiah speaks to God. Listen here. He says, you, God, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Stay your mind on God. I like to think, this is what it does. Watch me here. Stay your mind. If that's God, stay your mind. Redirect your mind. Discipline your mind. Realign your mind. Keep your mind focused on him. And if you have to do this 50,000 times a day, then so be it. You know what the result is? Perfect peace. Hallelujah. He is not a trickster. He does not tell us to do something that we're incapable of doing. Again, if we simply ask the Father Daddy to help us keep our mind on him, he will. 
The Bible says something else about trusting the Lord. It ties trusting God to being happy. On New Year's Day, just a few weeks ago, I sat down at my dining room table and I wrote January 1st, 2018. And then I wrote, Happy New Year. And then I wrote, Lord, I'm not happy. <laughs> not one bit. And just for a moment, I almost got sassy, but he can handle it. <laughs> and I said, is happy even in the Bible? I know joy is in the Bible, but happy, nothing was coming to mind. And for the next two or two and a half hours, he directed me to lots of verses about happy. One of them was Proverbs 16:20. It says this, whoever trusts in the Lord, happy is he. Now, first off, I noticed that the word does not say, whoever has a perfect life, happy is he. It doesn't say, whoever has the problem solved, happy is he. It doesn't say, whoever can figure out how to make this situation go away, happy is he. No, look again, it says, whoever trusts in the Lord, happy is he. Hmm. The word trust means to have confidence in, to be bold, to be secure. And in those next few moments, the Lord helped me discover something important. And that is that if I am not happy, it must be because I'm not fully placing my confidence in him. I must somehow subtly be placing my confidence in a person or in a system or in my remedy. Hmm? If I'm not happy, it must be because I was not finding my security in the Lord. I'm somehow looking for security in my ability to plan or to strategize or bring something to pass. Mm -mm. He realigned me that morning. He's so good. His love corrected my heart posture and he redirected my thoughts to align again with his promises. As I engaged with him and allowed his correction, my heart lifted and my happy returned. It's a beautiful thing. Now this is a process, and sometimes the issue is pretty small, and sometimes it's not. And so, what I've found is that the magnitude of our circumstances determines how often we need to realign our minds and our hearts. Hmm? Yeah. The bigger the mountain, the more often we remind ourselves to put our confidence in the Lord. Perhaps you're on a journey right now where this is your mode of living. It's a constant realignment and a constant whispering of, I will trust you. I will choose to trust you. I will choose to rely on your faithfulness, on your integrity, on your truthfulness, on your faithfulness, and so on and so forth. Whisper, I trust you, Lord. I trust you, Lord. It's just so important that we're shapeable on our journey, that he can direct us and have his way. I urge you to let him show you when you misstep. He's such a wonderful daddy. And then just simply get back on track with him. Another thing as we live out this faith journey is that we wanna be those who see and celebrate now. Say now. In Hebrews 11.1, 1, the Bible says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I wanna make two points about this verse. First, I like to read this with the emphasis on now. It's now faith, now faith. Now faith, not yesterday's faith, not tomorrow's faith, it's now. See the promise now. Celebrate now. If receiving from God is an equation, you might want to look here, okay, where his promise plus my faith equals receiving, then I want to think about which of these is the variable. 
in order to receive. Well, the variable, the variable, the thing that can change isn't God's word because God's word is yes and amen. His promises are true, it's secure. So the variable then is the presence of my faith, my trusting God, my believing him, amen? If my equation does not have faith, then my equation is an incomplete equation. Now faith is the assurance, the Bible says in the Amplified, the confirmation, the title deed of the things we hope for, being the proof of things we do not see and the conviction of their reality. Faith perceiving as real fact what is not yet revealed to the senses. I added that word yet. I like it that way, that's the Christian translation. <laughs> and what is not yet revealed to the senses. I like to add that word because eventually my natural eyes will see the fulfilled promise. But in the meantime, I walk by faith. And what's so cool about faith, I mean, think on this, is that faith has the capacity to see what your natural eyes can't see. God's wired us to have the capacity to see what is not yet existing in the natural realm. That makes me excited, actually. I'm just getting fired up while I'm saying this. Eyes of faith see what God says. It's not just words on a page. There's substance to it, hallelujah. Now we know that Joshua in the Old Testament was deemed a man of faith. And God spoke to him knowing that he's a man of faith. And God expected Joshua to see with eyes of faith when he gave him the plan for taking over Jericho. How do I know this? Because when God spoke to him, the city was completely fortified. There was no evidence in the natural that Joshua had defeated the city or that the walls had crumbled down. The walls were fortified. The men were giants. They were everywhere. But God knew that Joshua would see it just as God said it. So in Joshua 6.2, we read here, God says this, see, I have given Jericho into your hand, its king and the mighty men of valor. I want you to see, Joshua, I want you to see what I say. Don't see what's in front of you, see what I say. Yeah. yeah. Don't see what's in front of you, see what I say. Hmm. God hasn't changed. The way he spoke to Joshua is the way he speaks to you and me. Will you see with eyes of faith? That was a question. Yes. Let's see with our eyes of faith. Let's see the promise fulfilled before it manifests. Listen as he speaks right now. See, your loved one is set free, free from addiction and depression. See it, see it. See, your prodigal is home, living for my glory. See it. Can you see it? See, your body is whole. You are healed in Jesus' name, see it. Amen. Hallelujah, yes. See it now, celebrate it now. Why, because in God's mind, it's already done. In Romans five, verse two, Paul says, rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Remember that hope is not some mamsy-pamsy, well, I sure hope, I sure hope so. No, hope means confident expectation of good. Let's say that out loud. Confident expectation of good. That's what hope is. So children of God can rejoice now because we confidently expect God's promises and we confidently expect him to be glorified. Thank you, God, that you are at work behind the scenes. 
thank you, Lord, that your good plans for my family have already been written and have come to pass. I wait patiently until they manifest for me. Thank you, God, for the victory that Christ Jesus already attained for me 2,000 years ago. Thank you, Lord, that you are the way maker. You have made the way, and I am on, on the way going through. Amen? This is what we do to celebrate and encourage ourselves in the Lord. Now, of course, the devil doesn't like this. The devil doesn't like that you're hearing this or that I'm speaking these things. He doesn't like when the body of Christ gets a revelation of what it is to live by faith, so he tries to prevent it from happening. And if you remember about the equation, God's word and belief or faith or trusting God equals receiving. The only variable is this right here, the faith piece, your choice to trust God. So he steers you to meditate on that problem and let you commiserate with yourself and think about the feelings and let the feelings weigh you down to the point where you say, I can't even trust God, it's impossible. He also attacks what? He attacks your belief in the very word of God and he attacks your understanding of God's character. But keep in mind that everything that Satan says is a lie. And Jesus makes it clear in John 8, 44, he tells us that Satan does not stand in the truth. There's no truth in him. He's the, he's the father of lies. He's a flat out liar. So one of the ways for us to pass the test is to do an inventory, to be mindful of what our mind is full of and entertain this question. Who told me that? Who told me that? Did the Lord tell me that thought? Then I'll keep thinking on it. But if the enemy told me that, I'm not going to think about it. And also, I want to include this. We need to pass the test by figuring out who we're talking in line with. Am I talking in line with what Jesus says? Or am I talking in line with the enemy? I think a lot of us negate our, our faith and our prayer and stuff because we're believing God, but then we talk out a bunch of stuff that's right in line with the enemy's uh, tactics, yes? The Bible says God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. That our faith overcomes the world. That we are filled with joy and peace when we believe. Are you hearing this? The Heavenly Father wants so much for his children to walk by faith that he promises these blessings to us. He promises us overcoming stature. He promises us victory. He promises us peace and joy. And isn't it interesting how in our humanness, we search and search for these things, but we search and search for them on the internet, maybe through alcohol, a sexier physique. We're searching, and yet the rewards of joy and peace and victory come as we trust Him. And sometimes we think, oh, but it's just so hard. I'm here to tell you, it's really not that hard. Because you know what? God deserves to be believed. He's God. He is God. <laughs> His word is true. He cannot lie. Hallelujah, Lord. Question, what if you had a meeting with Jesus, really? What if you could sit down and meet him face to face? I could arrange that for you. I imagine that he would sit and he'd put his hands around your face, around your cheeks, and he would look at you with his loving kindness. And he would say to you, I will meet your need. I don't want you to worry about this anymore. I promise 
I'm giving you my word. I'm not going to tell you how long this will take. And it's going to look at times that you're all alone and that I'm not on this, but I promise you I'm working. I promise you I have victory for you. Would you believe him? Here's the thing. You know that when you read your Bible, you're encountering Jesus. In John 1.14, we read, the word became human and made his home among us. Jesus is the word. When you're reading your Bible and the word promises you something, you hear it as if Jesus himself put your face in his hands and spoke it to you through his vocal cords. (laughs) Have you ever recorded a football game been told the outcome and then watched the game anyway. Yeah, we do that, don't we? It's so interesting, the power of knowing. Because if I know that my team won the game, then it doesn't matter how poorly they played in the second quarter. I am not biting my fingernails. I am not freaking out and pacing the floor because I know that I know that I know that I know that the outcome is good. I just simply sit on my couch and anticipate and expect and wait and believe and know way down deep that something's going to turn, something's going to change because I know the outcome. Apply this principle to your walk with Jesus. He has given you his word, ladies. Remember, his promises accomplish their purposes. Look at Isaiah 55, 10 and 11. As the rain comes down and the snow from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth and make it bring forth forth in bud that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. In other words, just like the rain and the snow come down and do exactly what they are purpose to do, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. Hallelujah. Hebrews 6.18 tells us it is impossible for God to lie. His word is unalterable. It is unchangeable. Our Father, Abba, Daddy, God, has willingly obligated himself to us through his word. Amen? So certainly, certainly, we can trust our God. Let me pray for you. Hallelujah, Father. Thank you, Lord, that every, every journey starts when we choose to trust you, God. I'm praying, Lord, that each woman would choose again, Lord, tonight to trust you in her journey, to just show her, Father, how to lay hold of your promises, how to see them fulfilled with her eyes of faith. I pray, God, for the Holy Spirit to bubble up in her, that she would celebrate and thank you now. And as she continues to trust you with every step, Father, that she would truly enjoy the journey for her good, God, and for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. Hallelujah.